Welcome to the post Narc Life Podcast. It's time to leave behind the narcissist narrative and build an amazing life that you love. You got through, but you're not done. We're going to build your next level of wealth, create healthy relationships, find deep self-connection to expand your unique impact on this world, and leave behind a legacy of love. I'm your host, Laura, by the way. I've been there. I get it. And I've got you. Let's go build your post-narc life. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Post-Narc Life podcast. I am so glad to be back. It's been a little while. It's been about a month since I've updated the last episode. I think that came out right around Christmas time. And let me tell y'all, it's been a month. But first of all, please excuse my voice. I am getting over a cold, but hopefully it won't be too distracting. I hope everyone is doing okay. I want to come on here and talk about a few of the changes and a few of the things that have been going on for me to kind of give you a context and to hopefully bring you something that is super valuable to you in whatever you are dealing with right now. So first of all, I want to talk about my relationship with social media. So I I, I decided to leave social media. And, and by that, this is what I mean. I don't mean that I've closed all my accounts. I'll never be on social media ever again. Social media is evil, etc. That's not what I mean at all. I decided that for now, and I'm not sure how long that's going to last, me being and engaging with and consuming social media and also using social media as part of my business is no longer going to be useful for me at this time. Now, maybe in the future, I might do social media, but for now, my brain and my body and my time is just better served without social media in it. And I'll tell you why. So I have been on a journey over the past, obviously, for this past several years, in fact, several decades, I've been doing a lot of work on myself, doing the work to heal, managing my traumas, managing my emotions emotionally maturing. And this is still an ongoing process, y'all. I am not perfect and it's not about achieving perfection. It's about the continued growth and never giving up on creating the life that you want and becoming the next version of the person that you want to be, the next version of yourself that you're working on. And so over the past month or so, especially, but really in the past year, I have been working on managing my mental health with respect to the sensitivity of my brain. So about a year ago, I started, actually no, almost two years ago now. Ever since my mom passed, I've been working with an EMDR therapist, a specialist to help manage trauma. And one of the things that she diagnosed me with was being basically a highly sensitive person. And there's a whole body of research and content about highly sensitive people or HSPs as they call them. And basically what that means is at least for the time being, I don't know that I want to identify myself as a highly sensitive person and that be like my end all be all identity until the day I die. But for now it appears that my brain is very highly sensitive. And so as that is the case, I have to do the work to manage 
everything that comes in, all the input that my brain has to deal with constantly. So that looks like managing sounds, managing visuals, managing my environment, managing what I consume visually, auditorily, what I deal with emotionally, all the things that I do, how much sleep I get. All of those things have to do with helping my brain to be at its peak performance while also acknowledging its current limitations. And it's been a challenge, y'all. I never really, I guess in the beginning when we started talking about HSP, I was like, okay, so I'm a little sensitive. Okay, that's fine. But really, as I've looked back on my life, I've noticed that my sensitivity has actually been very high, like my entire life. (laughs) I just haven't paid a whole lot of attention to it. And I can get really triggered emotionally really easily. I can struggle really easily with things. I can get easily overwhelmed. And it's something that I don't wish upon anyone, (laughs) but it's the reality that I have right now. And it's my job. It's my responsibility to manage myself and my environment so that I can create the mental health or the structure and support for the mental health that I'm seeking. So part of that has been to manage social media. Now, there's been some crazy things going on in my life. And as a highly sensitive person, it's been rather traumatizing for me. I can't go into details about it, but I am sharing all the details about it inside my group membership. So if you're interested in that, go ahead and get on the email list and we'll talk about it. But basically, uh, there's a reason why I do what I do, y'all. <laughs> uh, there are or were narcissists in my life that for many reasons I chose to keep in my life. And now at this point in time, uh, contact with them has become just too toxic for me. And as a highly sensitive person, I come to the table with high sensitivity. And so it's just really important that I manage the the people and the relationships and the interactions in my life on a higher level so that I can support my brain. And what that has looked like for me at this time has been to go no contact, uh, which is definitely a last resort situation for myself, I especially with certain people in my life. Uh, and so this has been a, a very emotionally traumatizing and also an emotionally taxing time in my life. I've taken a lot of time off for my brain to just heal and relax and be and, and heal. <laughs> I, I need a lot of healing y'all <laughs> and a lot of time to really integrate what has been happening, really make sense of it, really go deep into, okay, what was I thinking? What was I feeling? How did I, why did I do this? Why did I take this action? Why did I not take this action? And it was, it's been a, it's been a very self-reflective time to help me kind of just integrate this very traumatic experience into my life, as opposed to just having it there and be constantly re-traumatizing me all over again. And it's been really fascinating. And I'll go into a lot more detail and a lot more depth of, what it's been like to experience going no contact with, with people in my life that I care about that. Um, it's been really a fascinating journey through all of that because I have a new set of tools that I didn't have before. And this particular relationship was such a struggle for me because I never actually looked at it 
in the way that I help my clients look at it. I just felt like I didn't need to. It just wasn't really in, on my radar, which is really funny. <laughs> and I try to be very careful because, you know, if you have a hammer, everything's a nail, right? So I, I try not to be like, well, everyone's a narcissist and like every narcissist is, or sorry, every relationship is narcissistic. That's not what I'm trying to do. I try to be really wise about it. And I try to really look at the facts so that I'm not just assuming everyone around me is a narcissist. And by the way, I also, I don't think it's useful to call everyone around you a narcissist. The label is only useful to a point. I think I've said this before on the podcast or maybe in other trainings that the label is not there to judge people. It's not there to write people off. It's not there to make, uh, make people think that they'll always be that way. And you just have to accept it. It's just a, it's just a term that we use to describe kind of the reality of the experience that you're having. And it, in, in a way that serves you to create healing for yourself, right? It's not about calling someone a narcissist, right? It's not about being like, you're such a narcissist. No, we're not going to do that. That's not useful. But in your own mind, if you're like, okay, I might be dealing or I might be in a narcissist dynamic. What does that mean for how I think about myself, for the actions that I'm taking, for the thoughts and emotions that I'm feeling? And then you take that you take responsibility for that and you make changes based on this new awareness that you have. Okay. So I want to make that very clear, but it's just, it's been really fascinating having the tools and the brain that I have now that I didn't have, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago and watching myself pass through these heavy, big emotions, having these, these massive, and <laughs> deep thoughts that I didn't realize were there, unearthing all of the dynamics and trauma and unlooked at <laughs> things to do with this particular relationship. And it's just been, it's been so fascinating to actually like go through it with both the experience of going through it and the experience of having the brain that I have, the experience that I have as a coach helping my clients. So I really was my own client there for uh, the last month or so. I'm always my own client, obviously, but this has been a really intense time where <laughs> myself as a coach was needed very, like daily, hourly on a daily basis to help me get through this really emotionally traumatic event. And so I, I'm not here to bash anyone. I'm not here to announce, you know, anything or, try to control the narrative about anything about anyone. This is about me and about how I feel and about what I've been through and how I'm going to use this to evolve into the next version of myself that I want to be. And so it's not important who it is. It's not important what it's about. Um, it's not important that anyone be outed or anything like that. I'm not interested in that. But what's the most important is how I change, how I heal and who I become. So I hope that's really, really clear, but I'm going to get into more detail about that. I might do, uh, maybe like a five episode series on this in my private podcast, just so that you can get the full, the full experience of, of what I experienced and maybe take yourself through that with a relationship you might be dealing with right now so that you can come on the other side and feel the peace and the love and the gratitude and the empowerment and you become the next version of yourself. So that's that's my goal with this new content I'm developing. But for now, it's really about healing and giving myself a lot of rest. And I want to give you 
permission to do that too. It's so important when emotionally traumatic things happen to you. We'll talk about this in the series that I'm going to do, but it's so important to take care of your brain. Even if you're not a highly sensitive person, obviously I am right now, but even if you're not, your mental health is paramount. It's so, so, so important to manage your thoughts and your brain and the input that's coming in. So all of this to say that social media for now, at least how I consume it and how I've had a relationship with it for the past several years, even decades, golly, I think I had my, I opened a Facebook account in uh, 2005, right after it was created by Mr. Zuckerberg, which is wild to think about that, y'all. We're in 2023, so it's, yeah, having a Facebook account for almost 20 years is kind of mind-blowing. And so I've also had Instagram for a really long time, and I don't do TikTok, I don't do Snapchat, I don't do Twitter. So I've had a, a pretty basic access to social media this entire time, but I found myself constantly using social media. And what happens is when you're just scrolling, and what I would do is I would actually use it to help relax myself, so to escape my stress, which is not good. <laughs> it's not useful. It actually does the opposite of what I'm trying to do because I would feel that dopamine hit, right? I would feel relaxation and I would get into that trance of scrolling and consuming. But the problem is that it would create a ton of overwhelm for my brain. The constant role of new images and words and meaning and context and all of the things that you see on social media while you're just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and it was just so intense on my brain, but I was using it regularly up to several hours a day, which ugh, is just not good for my brain. And I'm trying to work on myself and I'm trying to give myself the best support so that I can become who I want to become this year in 2023. And I just realized that social media is is not where I want to be. It's not how I want to be spending my time. It's not how my future self spends her time. It's not how my future self manages her stress and needs to relax. And so I've been working this month on really creating true relaxation. And let me tell you, that was not easy because my brain still craves social media. It craves even YouTube. I want to just go on YouTube and scroll. Like I just want that checking out feeling where I just get to scroll. But the problem is that it creates a lot of overwhelm and it continues to overstimulate my brain. And then I... I'm confused later about why I'm about to lose my ever loving mind when my kids are needing me and things like that, even though I've quote rested, but it's just not useful anyway. And so my brain will still crave it probably for a while and that's okay. That's not a problem, but I've been creating intentional rest. So I actually take naps and I don't use my phone to fall asleep. I used to actually use my phone to fall asleep, which I'm a little bit ashamed to admit that, but maybe it's not very shameful. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of us do it because sometimes you just, you're tired, you're late at night. And a lot of people will say that the blue light actually keeps you awake. But for some reason, for me, it like helped me fall asleep. I don't know what that means, but it still overwhelmed my brain and my brain still have to process a lot more through the night. So I don't know that I was getting the actual restful sleep that I needed. 
but that's besides the point. So I was using social media, in my opinion, inappropriately for my highly sensitive brain, and I've decided to stop. And so I take naps occasionally. I I do sensory deprivation moments where I try not to hear any sound or see any light for a certain amount of time. This is obviously very difficult to do because I live a very full life. I have three beautiful children. I am running a business. I am managing a home, you know, with <laughs> all of the things that has have to do with, you know, meals and dishes and laundry and all of those things. And so it's, it's not a whole lot of time that I can spend in sensory deprivation, but it can be really restorative to do that where I just shut off all the lights. I close my eyes. I don't have any sound. And my, and it's really fascinating to hear my brain as it tries to deal with the sensory deprivation, because even though it's overwhelmed, right, my brain still craves more. It's a weird sort of dualistic sense of being (laughs) and it's not fun. So for example, to help motivate me to get dishes done or to get laundry done, I try to listen to podcasts or music or things to distract my brain so that I can actually get it done. But what happens is it overwhelms my brain and I feel overwhelmed and it feel like there's just so much coming at me. And also I'm trying to do something. And so I've intentionally been like, no, I'm going to do one task and I don't need a podcast. I don't need this thing to do it. Sometimes I do, but I try not to do it every single time. I try not to have something going in my ears 24 seven. So I've reduced it significantly. haven't eliminated it altogether. And so that's made such a tremendous impact in my life already. I don't fall asleep with a phone. I put my phone on airport, uh, airplane mode. Sorry. I put my phone on airplane mode at night. I either read a book or just sit there and listen to and think about nothing. I've begun a meditation practice where I actually spend time in meditation and it's not perfect and it's not easy because my brain needs to be retrained on how to calm itself. I've been doing work to when I'm feeling stressed and when I'm feeling overwhelmed to move the energy out of my body. So I do sort of yoga. I move, I go on a walk. I do what I got to do. I got, I, maybe I dance. I don't know, whatever I got to do to move my body, to move the energy out because if overwhelm stays in your body, it just builds on itself. And if you can move it out of your body, then it will help to create that calm. I've also just been noticing and watching myself. I've been watching how, what, what, what I get stressed about and how I get stressed and what that looks like. And how do I know that I'm stressed? Am I feeling stressed right now? What contributes to it? What feels calm? What might feel like calm, but actually isn't calm. What's the difference between just checking out and actually being calm? And believe me, there is a difference. When your whole body is truly relaxed and in a restorative state, it's totally different than when you're like in a trance and escaping. It's a very different sensation and experience. And my goal is to try to create that sensation in my body a little more often, a little more intentionally because it really has a tremendous impact in my life. Because of the the trauma I experienced this month, I noticed my brain going back to the old days of postpartum depression where I would easily rage out, where I would need to manage my anger in a way to keep everybody safe. <laughs> 
And again, it's not something I'm proud to admit, but at the same time, there's so many of us who deal with it. I have a lot of clients who have dealt with this exact same thing. And so there's no shame in the fact that your brain and your body have been dramatically overwhelmed after you've had a child or two or three, and you need new tools to help yourself manage your life. So I noticed myself going back into those patterns and I started using the tools that I used back then. And also I'm creating and using new tools to e- to support myself even further. So one of those things is taking away social media and managing my environment. I'm managing my environment in the future. I haven't done it yet, but the goal over the next several months is to slowly declutter my home, create a more minimalist lifestyle because the, the chaos of all the stuff also create tends to create overwhelm in a highly sensitive brain. And so that kind of thing. And so I just, I just have little goals like that over and over that I'm going to take my time integrating into my life in a way that isn't stressful in a way that isn't putting tons of pressure on myself so that I can really support myself and create success without forcing, without beating myself up while creating calm. Calm is the most, I would say calm is probably the most important thing after having been what I'd just been through with the trauma this month, I think calm, creating calm in a narcissist relationship situation or narcissist recovery situation is probably your number one thing you can do. It's such a powerful way to combat the fight or flight response that you're probably constantly in, in order to survive. And when you have a highly sensitive brain, it's even more important. It's even more valuable. It's even more your responsibility to take hold of the things that create calm for you. So much of the work that we do is about coming home to yourself because surviving a narcissist means that essentially you self-abandon. You decide that your needs are not important anymore. You decide that your calm is not important anymore. You just do what you got to do in order to survive, in order to calm them down, in order to get them what they need so that they can feel better, so that they can do something that will make sure everything feels safe for you. And so self-abandonment is a form of neglect. And so when you are neglecting something, a, a living human being, what happens is things kind of go a little wild. So you're not noticing the things that make you stressed. You're not noticing the environment that is contributing to the overwhelm. You're not noticing how you're thinking about yourself, how your emotions are going up and down. You're not noticing the roller coaster. Your your brain is focused on their brain and their experience and their thoughts and their emotions. And your job is to bring that all back to yourself. What are you thinking? What are you feeling? And it's not about, it's not about saying, oh, I'm the most important thing that matters. And now I'm the narcissist because I don't care about anyone else and I'm being selfish. That's not what it's about. What it's about is about saying, okay, it's actually not possible for me to control the thoughts and emotions of the other person. I've been fooling myself and they've been fooling me on that because narcissists love to be manipulated. They love, they love it when you abandon yourself and only care about them because they've abandoned themselves because they rely on other people around them to meet all their emotional needs, but they don't actually take the time to be like, okay, what am I thinking? What am I feeling? What is that doing for my life? 
What are the actions that I'm taking that, that are creating the results in my life? Right? No narcissist is doing that. They're sitting around blaming everyone else around them. Right? And so that's what this work is about. It's about saying, okay, we're not going to blame the narcissist. Okay. That we might acknowledge the reality of a potential narcissist in our situation. Right. But, but that doesn't matter because we're not going to blame them for anything that we say or do or think or feel. Right. We're going to acknowledge the reality and what does it mean about what I can do to take responsibility for my life, my emotions, my thoughts, my feelings. Right. And so your job when you notice things like this is to come back home to yourself. What are you thinking? What are you feeling? That's what it's really all about. And calm is a hundred percent created by you. The opposite of calm is also a hundred percent created by you. Now that doesn't mean that if you're triggered by something, you should blame yourself. Triggers are natural. They happen. They happen without our conscious awareness can you work on triggers and bring them to the surface consciously and make it so that they cease being triggers? Yes, you can do that. That's possible. However, you want to pick and choose what those things are because sometimes it's totally fine to have a trigger. It's not a problem. It's your survival response. It's great. But if you notice that this particular trigger is creating results in your life that you don't want, then I recommend, okay, taking some intentional time to work on that trigger. However, if you're spending all your time working on all your triggers, I don't think that's necessarily useful. I think your brain can be better spent doing other stuff. But if you notice that you are triggered constantly, then it's time to take a look at, okay, let's maybe identify three or four triggers that have been really powerful for me in the last month or so, and then spend some time working on those. And what that will do is it will make it so that you're not easily triggered in those ways. And it will make it so that you can focus your brain on the other things that you're trying to create. So in my situation, it was very, very triggering for me to be in that relationship and all of the things that came up during that time. It was also triggering for me to have certain things in my environment. And I could look at social media and be like, I'm going to work on my thoughts on this. I'm going to curate my feed. I'm going to set boundaries and time limits around social media. I'm going to make sure that I'm only thinking these things when I'm consuming it. I could do that. And some people do that and they're great. And if that's what you want to do with your relationship with social media, by all means, absolutely do it. But for me at this time in my life, it's actually not a useful way for me to spend my time and energy to manage. So I've decided to just let go of it altogether. That's a conscious decision. Again, I don't think social media is evil. I think it can be managed in a really healthy way. And I encourage anyone listening to this to manage your social media however you see fit. But for me in my life at this time, it's more useful for me to be like, that's just not a part of my life right now. And I can focus my brain and energy on managing other triggers and managing other things for my mental health and focusing on creating new things and new content and serving my clients and serving my family and serving my myself, my brain and my future and my future self. That's really where I want to be spending my attention and my time and my energy and my effort because your attention, time, energy, and effort, okay, all four of those things are very limited, at least for me, they're actually even more limited because I've made choices about how I want to live my life. I have a full life. I have a family and I have a business and I also have ambitions. I want to grow. I want to change. I want to evolve into the next version of myself. And so what that means necessarily is that 
I can't use my limited resources on things that I just don't need right now. And that's really kind of a, it's a, it's a metaphor. It's a pattern for how you can treat the narcissist in your life. So if you have narcissists in your life, and I, again, I only recommend having one or two at most, <laughs> and only if you absolutely necessarily have to have them, maybe they're your boss and you don't want to quit your job, and maybe they're a family member and you love them, and you might have you know, controlled or limited contact with them, but you still want to have a relationship with them, fine. But in this point in my life, it no longer became useful for me to use my energy and my resources to manage my thoughts around that person and to manage myself so that I could stay in that relationship and be the version of myself that I wanted to be. Now, could I have done work to work on that relationship? Could I have done work to work on myself so that I could feel safe around that person no matter what they said or did? Absolutely. We abs- I absolutely could have done that. And it would have taken a lot of time and work and effort, but I know the tools. I have the tools. I could create that for myself. And actually, I might do that at a future time because right now it's, it's, it's just for my mental health and for the limitations that I currently have. It's not useful for me to do that work, but it doesn't mean that I've cut them off forever and that I'll never, ever, ever speak to them again as long as I live. It's just for now. And I'm not sure how long that's going to be. It could be a few months, it could be a few years. I have, I've decided to let go of any contact in, in any sort of relationship. And so it kind of matches the, the social media pattern that I've done as well. I've just really started to see the, the effects that had all of that has had on myself, on my brain. And so if you are trying to make a decision about whether or not to go to contact in that person's life, really just assess how much resource you have, the energy, the effort, the wherewithal, the mental wherewithal, the sensitivity of your brain, your goals, the time you have really look at that and decide, okay, I have this and this is worth it to me in my life. So I'm going to do this work. And if those resources are limited and your capacity right now is just not available, that's okay too. And that's why it can be so useful to go to contact or end the relationship entirely whatever it is that looks like for you for whatever it is that's in your life. So it could be a person, it could be your relationship with social media, it could be your job, it could be anything that's, you know, something in your life that you're really struggling with. So that's what I have for you. That's why I left social media. My focus is going to be on, at least business-wise for my business people, my marketing will consist of obviously doing the podcast, creating a ton of value here, and also... Uh, I really want to get into Pinterest. Now I know that Pinterest is sort of a social media, but it's really more of a search engine and I can really deliver so much more static value, value that really sticks around and is available for people who are looking, actively looking for the kind of work that I do. So I'm going to look into Pinterest and as soon as I figure all of that out, I will link that up in the show notes. But for now, go ahead and just get on my email list. And if you are the type of person that is trying to actively leave your narcissist situation. This month I did do a masterclass on deciding and leaving the narcissist. So that's available to you. If you join the email list, just go to the show notes and sign up. You'll be able to watch the full webinar. We did some coaching after uh, the training and I really break it down. We go step by step 
about how to decide and how to leave because it can be very complicated if you're in the narcissist situation situation right now and you're trying to leave, or at least it can feel very complicated, but I promise you it's not as complicated as it might feel. All right. So that is what I have for you today. I hope it has been very enlightening for you. I can, I hope you understand a little bit more where I'm coming from. I will miss you on social media, but just get on the email list and you'll get uh, a lot of similar updates. I've created a new weekly newsletter called Post Narcology. <laughs> we could say that with a stuffy nose. Post Narcology. <laughs> and um, it'll have all of the upcoming things to look forward to. It'll have all the latest podcasts and uh, lots of other stuff coming down the line. I've got lots of plans for y'all. So go to the show notes, get on my email list so you can get the training, so you can get the weekly updates. And I hope you have an amazing day and I will see you next time. Bye.